You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with the heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Almighty and ever-living God, who of thy great mercy didst save Noah and his family in the ark from perishing by water, and also safely led the children of Israel, thy people, through the Red Sea, figuring thereby thy holy baptism, And by the baptism of thy well-beloved Son, Jesus Christ, in the river Jordan, did sanctify water to the mystical washing away of sin. We beseech thee for thine infinite mercies, that thou would mercifully look upon us, wash us, and sanctify us with the Holy Ghost, that we, being delivered from thy wrath, may be received into the ark of Christ's church, and being steadfast in faith, joyful through hope, rooted in charity, may so pass the waves of this troublesome world that finally we may come into the land of everlasting life, there to reign with thee, world without end, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. That, my friends, is what you call a very dense prayer. There's a lot in there, um, but it's a beautiful one. Um, I thought uh, take a brief moment just to introduce myself to this group. I always enjoy coming to the inquirer's class anytime that I can. Let everybody go around in a moment and say names again. For me, maybe, I'm just going to guess it might help you all. And then I'll say, hopefully, maybe 10 minutes on baptism. We'll break into groups and then come back together for questions. That's what I hope to do in the next 30 or 40 minutes. Um, As Fontaine mentioned, my name is Gil Cracky. Um, I've had the privilege of being here for a long time, um, since 1993 um, when I came on staff. As the youth minister here at the church, I'm fresh out of college. I went to Suwannee, the University of the South, about two and a half Hours away from here, that's what brought me into the southeast. I grew up in a small town in Texas in an Episcopal church, tiny little Episcopal church. Um, I'll, uh, I'll, I think this is probably true, though I don't, I'm old enough now, I don't trust everything that I remember. Um, I think this is probably true, about 40 people on Easter, half of whom I was related to, so it was one of those churches. Um, loved it. What an opportunity to grow up in that little town, in that little church. Made my way to the exotic lands of Tennessee. Um, uh, had four um, wonderful years in college. Came here as a youth minister in 1993 and have been here ever since. Didn't think I was going to have a career in the church, but it's been my privilege to, to be here for 25, 27 years. I'm not good at math, however long that's been. Um, I've been the youth minister, um, and then I moved. I've done a lot. had the privilege. I use that word a lot, but I mean it every time. Uh, a lot of different roles, probably the four um, official roles that I had on a business card, um, if we still did those, um, were the youth director and then the young adults director and then uh, <coughs> licensed counselor, which I still do counseling. I'm still a, I'm still a counselor, which, which I also love. And now I'm the director of ministries and programs here at the church, which just means I get to sort of catch a little bit of a catch-all role, kind of a a uh, uh, utility player or something like that, which, which uh, again, I love. So um, that's me. My name is Gil. Um, I'm really glad to be here. Um, maybe help me a little bit, but just going around the room and introducing yourself uh, with the first name. And if you want to, I'm not going to ask you to say your favorite candy bar or something else like that, but maybe just a little bit of a context of how you find mm-hmm. yourself here. That might be helpful. Um, I don't know if we should include the shepherds in this or not. Fontaine, do you have a sense? Yeah, it's probably helpful. So, um, David, I know you just walked in. Yeah. <laughs> Who are you? So, David yeah. Green. I've uh, been an Adventer for, by marriage, really. Um, <laughs> I don't know if it's been here. So. Glad to be here. I'm a shepherd. 
whatever that means, but glad to <laughs> be connected with one of you newcomers and uh, show you around that event and what we're all about. So uh, glad to be here. Thank, Thank you, David. I'm Mary Hanson, also a shepherd, and been here um, for a long time, 40 something years. So um, I'm just always glad to be in a class where there are newcomers. So this is this is good for me. I'm Doug, and I'm a sheep. We're well, good. <laughs> here, here. So. Oh, I want to say a lot about that, but I won't. I love that, Doug. I love that. I love that you said that. That's good. So, uh, I'm Lee, and I'm following another sheep. That's great. That's great. So, uh, Part of the herd. Lee and Doug. Good. So, good to meet you. My name's Tish. Hello, Tish. I'm Kate Phillips. John Phillips. John Kate. Good to see you. So. You certainly may. I've been a member of that for a lot of years. Um, I'm Hope King, and we're visitors here. Hope and Adam, is that right? Good to see you. Glad you're here. Thank you. Wolfgang. What a wonderful name. Cornelia? I'm Cornelia Malone, and I think I'm just about to quit visiting and start joining. Oh, well, good. Well, it's good to see you, Cornelia. Good morning. I'm Josh Head. This is my fiance, Layla Dee. We are uh, also looking to join. Wonderful. Wonderful. Great. Congratulations. Congratulations. Thank you. I went to school at Abbott, so. Oh, good. Coming home. Did I know you when you were a child here? Okay. So. I do. I do. So when I was the youth director, I used to eat lunch over there all the time. So <laughs> that was it. So, um, so. Well, hey, Emily. Hi. Good to see you. So, um, I'll pull y'all out. So, Drew, why don't you? We'll go back around this way. Okay, yeah, Drew Wright, uh, Jeffrey, Rita, and I've been here at Advent for about 18 years. Welcome. <laughs> Rita taught last week, and oh, I listened to Rita's class on repentance, and I'm a little bit nervous, actually. I teach a lot, and I don't know why I'm nervous. I was like, I don't know, it's going to be a hard time following that. I thought it was an excellent class. So, yeah. Good to see you, Scott. And I'm Miriam Morris, and I've been here for a long time. I'm glad y'all are all here. This is a great group. It is. Yep. So cool. I'm Doug Webster, and next week I'll leave the discussion on the Lord's Supper, so I thought I'd get a feel for y'all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Craig Hantley, and I went to the Advent Day School as well. Good. Um, and now I'm thinking about joining. Well, hello, yeah, Craig. Good, good. I'm Albert Copeland, and it's my wife. Hey, I'm Adelaide. Adelaide. And we're uh, great, great. Welcome. Hi, my name is Lori Morrison, and we were visitors, but we're now members of the. Advent. Thanks be to God. I certainly know who you are, so that's great news. So. Glad y'all are in Birmingham. Oh, good. So I'm excited about being able to do the dad parallel of that process. That's great. That's great. That's great. 
I'm Rebecca. I'm Mark's wife. Good. And uh, we've been involved with the church for about 10 years, but haven't made it official until about two years ago. Here, here. Um, and I absolutely love it. Can't say enough good things, not only about the school, but the church. And uh, it's very direct and pointed mission to Christ. Thanks be to God. So, well, welcome. Really glad y'all are here. Um, uh, Matt Schneider has done a really good job of pulling a lot of the, the, this our outline together for our inquirers class and our our scripture that I want to go back to in Acts two, which may be read every week. I'm not sure. Um, Peter's sermon at Pentecost, where he lays out the gospel, which is the center of all that we do. We really we say that a lot. I hope we mean it every single time that we say that. But we are a church that tries to major on the majors and when we get drawn to the minors we quickly want to get back to the major as fast as possible with a heart for the gospel and a heart for those that haven't heard the gospel um, and here's Peter um, as the Holy Spirit has descended upon the church and he begins to uh, I'm picking up in the middle of his sermon um, men of Israel hear these words Jesus of Nazareth a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and form. You don't have this in your handout. This is somehow. Sorry, sir. Yeah, sir. I could feel the paper. Um, sir. Um, just hear the word. Um, uh, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. And then he goes on and, and quotes uh, some psalms and some other things that David said about him and then concludes his sermon. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. And then the description of the gospel being heard, um, the simple gospel, Christ Jesus was delivered over for your sins and raised for our justification. This Jesus who we crucified, it was our sins that took him to the cross, God raised him up, not as a plan B, from the definite foreknowledge of God said, this is my plan for redemption for you and for me, sinners. This Jesus the God or Father of, of, of our Lord and now the Father of all of us through Christ's death and resurrection. This Jesus God made both Lord and Christ, both the Kyrios, the boss, the head of us, but also the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one who was given over for our sins so that we now would now have life eternal. What's the effect that falls on the church now? Um, now when they heard this, Beautiful words. They were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? So now the action steps. And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. So this idea of being cut to the heart by the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who was delivered for our sins and raised for our justification, that, Christ, that God demonstrated his love for us in this, that while we were yet sinning, 
As Mel Gibson's hand was the hand in the, the movie The Passion, holding the nail, that was us, holding the nail as Christ is being crucified. This Jesus, whom you crucified, in the midst of our sins, uh, God demonstrates his love for us in this by, by giving over himself and his son to death so that we would no longer have to die. This cuts us to our heart. And now what do we do? Um, that was what Matt said, I hope, the first uh, 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 week of the Inquirer's class, the gospel. And then Rita spoke last week about repentance. This idea now that we've been given this faith, which is a gift so that no man may boast, um, uh, as we've been given that, what accompanies it is repentance. That we are turned, that we find ourselves turning from sin, that we find ourselves being turned by God away from our sin and turned to himself where the word is doing that work of belief and repentance. Now we baptize. Now we are baptized. And so that's what we want to talk about. Is What is this, this baptism? Um, I think there are two... Not me, I don't think it. Um, there are two images, prevailing images. There are some other ways these play out, you might call in dialects, but primarily two images in the scripture about baptism. The baptism that we are, are drowned and brought to life, and the second image is that we are washed or cleansed and then sealed. Um, uh, those are the two prevailing images. And so you have baptism, where we have you know, what, some, some traditions, the Baptist church in particular, your name even signifies it, where you have an immersion baptism. You go all the way under and you come all the way out. This idea, as the prayer caught of, uh, of the Red Sea, where the waters closed over us and we were taken down to our death and we come up and, we're, we're, uh, and now we have a new life. Um, that image of death to life of baptism. And then the second one, which is more associated with the, the sprinkling. We do both here. We typically do the, uh, the sprinkling. A lot of that's just pragmatic reasons. Um, uh, but to sprinkle, where it's a cleansing from sin, but also being sealed by the Holy Spirit. Um, and we'll talk about how the Holy Spirit is, in fact, the seal, the sign, and the guarantee of the gospel's work in us. So two ways. I like to often think... Um, in images, uh, uh, most of the time I'd be showing these clips, but I'll just describe them to you. Um, if you watched that series, I think it was on HBO, Band of Brothers, the World War II series. Anybody? Am I talking? So some of y'all are going to be... I didn't see the whole series, but there's a young man, a private named Blythe, and he's talking to his lieutenant. You know, I'm struck now as an old man. Uh, you know, he's probably... The private is probably 18. And, of course, he's a scared kid. Um... And this old, wizened lieutenant is probably all of 24. <laughs> um, but Blythe, in a moment of uh, stillness in the night, he admits to his lieutenant, um, Lieutenant, I, when we arrived on D-Day, I got separated from my unit, and I found myself in a ditch. And I just stayed there. And I fell asleep. I think it was probably the air sickness pills that they gave us. And when I woke up, I didn't, I didn't go back and try to find my unit. I just stayed there. So he's obviously afraid, and he's doing a confession, doing a confession to his, his father figure. And then the lieutenant says this, and this is a, there's, a, there's a hook here about death to life in baptism. Uh, but Blythe, the only hope you have, he said, your problem, Blythe, is you think you're still alive. He says, Blythe, the only hope you have is to accept the fact that you are already dead, and the sooner you accept that, the sooner you'll be able to function as a soldier is supposed to function. 
All war depends on it. And I'm going to get off on this idea that our soldiers have to admit the fact that they're already dead and that all the war depends on it, that they can do the things that soldiers are supposed to do. But I want to emphasize, I like this, this sense, that you have to reckon yourself. That's a very particular word. You have to reckon yourself as already dead because that's how the Bible reckons us, especially in Ephesians 2. You are dead in your trespasses and sins, but God, who is rich in mercy, has raised you to life in Christ Jesus. This idea that as we reckon ourselves to the truth that we're already dead, that there, and our baptism signifies this, um, we find ourselves uh, given the assurance that now, in the gospel's work, as the word is, is joined with the water, we find ourselves being raised to life and a life that now cannot be taken from us. Um, and in a moment we break into groups, there's a passage from Romans 6, which is probably the, the, uh, the key passage where this is, which is expounded. Um, so that's the first image, the image that we have to reckon ourselves like this young private to the fact that you're already dead. Um, and then the second image, if you think of Shawshank Redemption, do you remember that story? Probably most of us see it. I saw offhandedly um, several years ago uh, it's up there with two or three other films. It's the film that's shown most often on cable. So if you find yourself flipping channels, it's like, this movie is always on. You're probably right. I don't know why that is, but it's always on. You remember where um, Tim Robbins' character, he's escaping from prison. Do you remember how he does it? He digs this hole through his cell, and then he, uh, he finds a way to get all the way to the infrastructure. Into <laughs> What's that? Spoiler alert. That's right. Yeah, if you haven't seen it yet... Um, uh, he, uh, he, he waits for a, a stormy night where there's thunder and lightning because then he can escape as the thunder is thundering. He takes a rock and he smashes a sewer pipe. It's about this big around. And he keeps smashing it until the pipe breaks. And then he climbs in the sewer pipe, sewage, raw sewage, and he crawls through 500 yards of the most foul muck and filth and it's Morgan Freeman's voice that is... Uh, is describing it, and he says, um, Andy crawled to freedom through 500 yards of foulness I can't even imagine. Or maybe I just don't want to. 500 yards. That's the length of five football fields, just shy of half a mile. Do you remember where he, what happens at the very end? It's as if, and it's exactly right, Andy, as if he became the muck, the foul, and the filth. Um, which Paul has that same echo in 2 Corinthians 5, if you'd like to have that that God made him who knew no sin to be sin, to be the foulness that, that, that Andy was crawling in. Uh, and then he spills out into the water, and he's cleansed. And it's much more than just sort of a, you know, oh, a little bit of dirt. He was covered. It's as if the foul became a part of him. It was in his lungs. It was in him. It was on him. It was through him. It penetrated his pores, and he washed out into the water. And he stands in the rain. And it's a very clear, you know, cruciform image where he looks up like this in the shape of a cross. Two images for baptism. You need to already reckon yourself as dead, Blythe. Or you're coming out after crawling through just shy half a mile through a foul and a filth that we don't want to imagine and then being washed clean and then sealed free. Because that's where he went, was to freedom. It was a story about hope and freedom. So with this sense... Of, uh, of two images um, quickly and then I want to, we're going to break into groups um, bullets on baptism I'm going to go through these quickly 
Um, there are lots of variants and understandings, but baptism has been the sacramental rite, R-I-T-E, uh, which brings someone into the church going back to the first century. So there we see it in Acts 2. And that day, 3,000 souls were added from the beginning. After baptism, there's this sense that now um, baptism adds you, as it were, to the church. Um, there's a lot to be said about that, but just put that out there. Jesus himself initiated the rite with baptism as he was baptized by John the Baptist. Um, three Gospels and the fourth, John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, all describe this. John strongly implies it, but Jesus himself was baptized. Here's the probably the most contentious point. Um, baptism itself is not salvific. Big fancy word. Um, baptism itself does not confer salvation. Baptism doesn't save you. The Word of God um, uh, does the work of God, um, which points to the finished work of Christ for us. Christ's death and resurrection saves us. The Word which cuts us to the heart of the Gospel uh, is what uh, brings about that, that faith. For faith cometh by hearing, and hearing the Word of Christ. And then baptism is the sign, um, as our articles would point to it, it's the sign, um, the mark, and the seal of the work that has already been done for us. I'll read this briefly. Um, our articles of religion, as they're called, um, uh, written in the 16th century, so it's got some old language. It says this about baptism. And you're going to hear, let me say what it's going to say, and then I'll tell you how it actually reads it. Baptism is a sign of profession, a sign of regeneration, and a sign of new birth. It is a mark of difference. It makes us say that he is marked with this and he is not. It's like a brand. He's got a star upon the R, if you remember the old Dr. Seuss poem. Um, it's a mark of difference and a visible sign and seal of the Holy Spirit, of the promised forgiveness of sins and our adoption to be sons of God. And sons of God, that's for both men and women, because right or wrong, um, the son uh, receives the inheritance. And the emphasis on being sons of God is now you get to inherit the riches of Christ um, as, uh, uh, as the sons and, and daughters of God. So here's how Article 27 reads. Baptism is not only a sign of profession and a mark of difference, whereby Christian men are discerned from others that cannot be christened, but it is also a sign of regeneration or new birth, whereby, as by an instrument, they that receive baptism rightly are grafted into the church. The promises of the forgiveness of sin and of our adoption to be sons of God by the Holy Ghost are visibly signed and sealed. Faith is confirmed and grace increased by virtue of prayer unto God. So, with all that, let's break into groups. Um, You've got this handout in front of you, groups of, I don't know, five or six, however you want to sort yourselves. Um, the first thing you're going to read, it's a very interesting piece. I think in 200 BC, archaeologists have found this recipe to how to make a pickle, of all things. Um, and two words which may be helpful. There's bapto and baptisto, because this is written in Greek. And there's the sense of bapto, which is just to be dipped into, but it stays the same thing. And then there's baptizo, where you dip something into a solution and it's no longer the thing that it was, now it's something else. And so to make a pickle, you take a cucumber and you bapto it, you dip it into hot water, but what is it? It's still a pickle. 
Then you take that pickle and you dip it into the vinegar solution and after leaving it there and you bring it back out. And what is it? It's a cucumber. It's not the same thing that it was and it doesn't go back. So you can, maybe that helps you think as you're reading these passages. Um, you got that reverse. So you know what I meant? Communication is uh, the accomplishment of it. So. Yeah, so there you go. So. Have you ever had okra? It's a great vegetable. So, um, so, um, yeah, a pickle. Uh, sorry, a cucumber becomes a pickle. Strike that, scratch that, reverse it. Thank you. So, yeah, so it's good. So, um, um, so break into groups. Uh, read the, uh, the, the, the passages. Um, answer it. And I don't expect you to finish, and we'll come back together in 10 minutes. Have a few minutes for questions. What came up in y'all's groups? You got about three or four minutes. What's that? Yeah. Our, our group was. Uh, our group was uh, struggling between the adult baptism, which is a has, was in the Bible, immersion, total immersion, like the Baptist Church does, versus the, the sprinkling of an infant. And I'll just give you my comment. My comment would be, I, 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 I've always viewed baptism as parents dedicating their lives to helping their son or daughter become Christ as well as to, to, to bring them up in the, in the in the uh, faith, but the dunking would seem to me to be a much more powerful image, and those who have had that in our group confirmed that it was something it never forgot. And I'm just wondering whether the Episcopal Church has missed the boat. <laughs> yeah. As it were. And the dunking sprinkling piece, um, and Doug... You might be able to expand on this next week or now if you want. Um, soon, very soon in the early church, like quickly in the first century, sprinkling became an accepted practice. Um, because they didn't have enough water out there. Certainly part of it. That's right. Um, uh, and then throughout, you know, the, uh, it's well attested then there from the, I think, third century on, Augustine and some others. Uh, that sprinkling was very, very common um, in the sprinkling of infants. And so there's a lot to be said, and I think there's good places in both, uh, good arguments, as it were, in both camps for believer's baptism or adult baptism uh, versus uh, pedo-baptism, which is a fancy word for like pediatric infant baptism. Um, uh, the Reformed churches, the churches that come out of the Reformation, all of them to a T, except for the Anabaptist tradition, which you wouldn't say was really a Reformed tradition, uh, baptized infants. And so the Episcopal Church, being a Reformed church or in the Reformed tradition, um, we, we retain that. Yeah? One thing that I think is important to know, the Advent has had full immersion baptism. Yep. I've been to one. Yeah. Yeah. So if somebody chooses to be fully immersed, if they hadn't been baptized before, that can totally be done. Yep. It really is a practical consideration. Just like, is it Hope? Is that your name, ma'am? Lee. Lee. I'm sorry. Um, just like what you said, when there's a scarcity of water or for the purposes of, of, uh, of expediency without sacrificing biblical punch, uh, we sprinkle. In some ways, it's that simple. First, I didn't read earlier. 
What babies do you do for emerging or do you sprinkle babies? We typically sprinkle. Um, uh, not sure what traditions, some of y'all may know, uh, what traditions would dunk an infant. Uh, like yeah, I wouldn't think so. Um, <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, 10, you know, once they're old enough, say in a believer's baptism, you can understand, hold your breath and go under, I'm going to push you back and all that. But, um, here's some verses um, to close up. The, the Word of God is always associated with the sacraments. Baptism and what Doug's going to talk about next week with um, the Lord's Supper. So the Word of God, which is living and active and purposeful, it's doing the work of God, taking the ordinary means of grace, letting them be the vehicles of God's grace. Uh, And so for the water, as the Word of God is in the water, it's doing the work. And then... First question, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. It's a spiritual act. Um, the Holy Spirit, it's the charismatic moment, you may want to say, uh, where the charis or the gift of the Holy Spirit is present as the word is attached to the water. And here's how it's described. And this is the sprinkling. I was talking with this group. With the sprinkling idea of the cleansing and the sealing. So you're in Shawshank land here. The, the, the cleansing, and it's not just a little bit of dust. We're talking all the way through, and now you're being cleansed and then sealed so that that kind of uncleanliness cannot penetrate again. And here's how Paul, in 2 Corinthians and then in Ephesians, describes the Holy Spirit as our seal and our guarantee. And this is very much a baptismal idea. And it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us and who has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. And then Ephesians 1, And him you also, when you heard the word of truth, so there we're cut to the quick, you hear, and faith is bestowed, and belief grows, and repentance happens, and we're turned and turned. Uh, when you hear the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, we're sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. And it's that one in particular that I just find to be just beautiful and wonderful. That when we're, it's not salvific, so marked as Christ's stone forever and sealed by the Holy Spirit in baptism, that is words which describe the act of God which has already happened. Uh, that the Holy Spirit has sealed us. Um, people ask, and I've said this in Clingman earlier and then I'll close with this, if we as a church, and I don't mean to be contentious, but I'll leave this out here. If we really thought that baptism conferred the Holy Spirit, the act of baptism with the water, well then all of us, I mean, I'll bet several of us have had miscarriages, um, one of those, uh, or what about a stillbirth, or a, a baby that, was, that, that died at say age two before it could be baptized. If the church really thought that this was salvific, we would have established hospitals, and had a priest, because it would be a priest, standing right there next to the doctor, and immediately before the cord was cut, I mean, we would have it ready, I think, and we would be, we'd be baptizing the baby. If we thought this was that central, we rely more on God's grace, that God has a, an accommodation, as it were. That's the wrong word. That, 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 that the work of God is outside of time, um, and we're catching up to him, and this is a timely event. Uh, baptism, just like the Lord's Supper, 
for the work that God has already accomplished there, where he made one his sacrifice of one oblation satisfaction there on the cross. Uh, baptism is a, a, an outward sign of the seal of the Holy Spirit, which, uh, which God has purposed for us when we heard the word of the gospel, the word of our salvation. And that's good news, friends. That's really, really, really good news. So let me pray. Lord, correct me where I'm wrong, um, for my sins are many. Um, Where your word goes forth, uh, strengthen it. uh, And let it be a word of comfort and courage and assurance. Um, uh, Thank you for this group, Lord. Thank you for for your church, your one holy Catholic and apostolic church, but also for your church, the Advent. Um, Correct us where we're wrong uh, and uphold us uh, in the work that you've given us to do. Thank you again for this class. Um, Continue to be at work, doing your work in such a way that it would not lack for anything needed. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you all very much. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.